Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, I believe the opener is less than a week away. Who should be the starting five when the Lakers take the floor? We'll talk about that. Plus, are the Lakers the second most fun team in the league? Zach Lowe of ESPN says so. We'll cover all of that and more next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. We get that thing up nice and early for you so you, know, you can wake up. Uh, if, you're, if you're up in the middle of the night, you can listen to it. That thing is ready for you to go in the morning every day, and we appreciate it. But not you. because it'll put you to sleep. Like no, You have to no, be prepared no. for the idea you're going to stay awake after that. It's so damn riveting. Your, your day at work is going to be totally lost. You're going to be ineffectual, but you are going to know a shit ton about the Lakers. That's more important. Yes, uh, it is. <laughs> so uh, also a reminder, sign up for and subscribe to the Locked on Lakers YouTube channel. Uh, breaking news. The pod goes up a little bit early there most nights. Um, so it's a great resource for everything we're doing here with the show. Uh, we thank you to all of you who have been doing that and supporting that channel as it grows. Um, so Andy, the Lakers have one more preseason game left. It is against the Sacramento Kings this evening. It doesn't really matter if they win or lose other than a loss. Yes, it does. Little- I want 0 and six. I want 0 and six. One and five is boring. Who cares about that? That's just a bad job. 0 and six is all right. Bring it, baby. And you know what? You know what? 0 and six though conjures memories of though. Of course, is the is the Dwight Mayer season. I know where they were. I know. So, but that's my point. That's good. That's my point. (laughs) 0 and six is bring it, baby. We know exactly what you're going to say bring it all and you know who knows maybe they'll fire frank vogel six games in just like they did mike brown or whatever it was they could even flirt with bringing phil back and like really play this thing out dan tony's uh, uh he's, he's an assistant with the pelicans he's they, available they release you can those guys away i would think um anyway let's let's get into this because the lakers on um what was it tuesday that they mm-hmm. played against the warriors they trotted out a starting lineup of the big three lebron james uh, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook with Carmelo Anthony and Kent Bazemore filling out that five. Now, some of this was based on availability. Uh, DeAndre Jordan did not play in this game. Kendrick Nunn was out with an ankle. Malik Monk was out with a groin. Uh, Wayne Ellington with the hamstring. Yes. And uh, THT thumb surgery, Trevor Ariza ankle. So six guys didn't play. I let's let's I'll ask you to you this way, because Frank Vogel on uh, Wednesday at practice continued to express confidence that none Ellington and um, Monk could be available for opening night or seemed to at the worst that they would be available relatively shortly after. Assuming those three guys are around early in the season, knowing what we know now, no THT, no Trevor Reza, would you go with the lineup that they used? On Tuesday against Golden State, would you make adjustments? How would you line up for opening night? You know what? The lineup that they used on Tuesday is one that I know I had actually thrown out before as a potential look for the Lakers. Like it, mm-hmm. it didn't, 
Obviously, you know, there was some necessity being the mother of invention in terms of what Frank Vogel ultimately went with. Yeah, they don't have any dudes. (laughs) Right. But it wasn't completely out of left field. Like in terms of, for example, Bazemore, like I've been really insistent. I don't care if the Lakers play small. I don't care if they play big with that starting lineup. Bazemore needs to be in it. They, They need his defense along the wing. I mean, this became really amplified once. You know, to whatever degree you think Trevor Ariza can still provide that, once he wasn't available, I think the choice became incredibly obvious. I think Bazemore should be there anyway, like mm-hmm. regardless of what, what look Frank Vogel ultimately wants. But then when you think specifically about Mello Bryant, I I think he is somebody that is that greatly benefits from having as many good defenders around him as possible. And if you're talking about a lineup with Bazemore, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. That's three of the four best defenders currently available on this team, the fourth being Dwight. And you could argue they're the four best, period, regardless of who's available. Like You offset as much as possible with Mello in, mm-hmm. in terms of those weaknesses. And unlike guys like you know Kendrick Nunn, who are there some question marks about, Malik Monk, a lot of question marks about THT, how much can he progress, You know Russ, how dedicated is he? All of those guys... There's a certain amount that you can at least envision them getting better through either more understanding, more dedication, more focus. Mello better coaching, is, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Mello is who he is defensively at this stage. I mean, like if the Lakers get to the finals, Mello is going to be 38 during those finals. Like he can't get demonstratively better defensively. It's really, a, it's not even about how passable can he make himself. It's how passable can you make him? And yeah, I, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, and I, I the the flip side of that because I was I knew we were talking about this. We you know we we were thought about getting into it last night uh, after you know when we were talking about the the Warriors game and just didn't you know too much show uh, for that show. But the other side of it is offensively, and you know all the conversations whether it was with Mike Richmond that was a great show that we had previewing Mello uh, with him from Locked On Blazers and his strengths and weaknesses as a player. I think the other part that you get when you play him with the big three and you, is you 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 put him in in a lane that maximizes the stuff that he's best at, which is spot up threes. He's become a very very reliable catch and shoot three point guy, and then you know being able to hunt those mismatches every once in a while. You see, you know, gets down to the post, makes a good cut, sees, you know, very smart, obviously, offensive player and can find those mismatches. And you have guys around him who are capable of seeing it, recognizing it almost instantly and and feeding him the ball to take advantage of it. What you won't get a lot of in those alignments when you start mellow with the big three where they to go that direction is late clock situations where. Carmelo feels compelled to put the ball on the floor and try to create. That's the least efficient version of Melo at this. I agree with what you're saying about him defensively and all that stuff. Um, but I also think there's a benefit for it offensively. Obviously, did I say defensively? Or what you said defensively. But I also think there's a benefit offensively. When I was thinking about this, though, I like this lineup, obviously, way more than one that features more size starting DeAndre Jordan. Oh, sure. Presumably over Dwight, but um, or Dwight, either one of them. If my choice is this or the traditional center lineup, give me this every day. Um, and I thought Tuesday night, like when those guys were all out on the floor, 
from a physical standpoint, you look at that and go, damn, like that is a lot of human being out there. Russell Westbrook <laughs> as your point guard is a horse of a human being. And, you know, the length of Bazemore, LeBron with his size, Anthony Davis looks kind of like the monster at this point. <laughs> he was like over the moon, just big and strong and whatever. Like, and Melo's not a little dude. And so, you know, you want to bludgeon people with size. This is a better way to do it than trying to start DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. And we know that Vogel does covet size. I mean, for reasons that are understandable, for reasons at time that I think can be a detriment to how he uses his players. But either way, we know. We know that it's something that he likes, and th- this could be a good way of splitting the baby. I mean, you know, as far as the small ball looks with Anthony Davis at center, I mean, obviously there have been a lot of talk about playing Wayne Ellington at the two, Bazemore at the three, LeBron at the four, AD at the five. I think it's a possibility, and I think it's more of a possibility than either Monk or none in the starting lineup. Like, I, I, I think those guys are... First of all, I think Monk makes a lot more sense just coming in off a bench and you just one you're you're kind of jumping to where I'm going. He has much more, I think, of a carved out role if he's going to have more opportunities to score. The the fewer opportunities he's going to have, and by definition, that definition that's going to be the case when you've got LeBron, AD, and Russ out there. Like there's there starts becoming less for him to do and you could mm-hmm. make the same argument i guess for mellow the difference is there are fewer guys that play mellow's position and here and this is why i think that lineup is credible and then you put Baysmore in there and whatever but where i would probably start initially would be the big three with Baysmore. i would lean into going a little bit smaller with Baysmore and ellington and the reason i would go ellington given who they have available is with what you say with none, but also I think it's about a little bit about maximizing what you can get out of Ellington while you have him. And he has much more utility, I think, as a gravity player who is very smart about where he spots up around the arc. This is like all the guy has been doing for the last you know half decade plus is that. And so I think he's very easy to integrate into what the Lakers want to do with the starting lineup. It will not take Westbrook and and LeBron long to really understand Ellington as opposed to Monk. I think the learning curve is a little higher with Monk um, and those guys. So I think you maximize the potential for Ellington to impact LeBron, AD, and Westbrook positively by starting him. And right now he needs to play because you're down THT and you're down um, uh, Ariza. So that's the direction I would go. At least to start, but you know, if it ended up being what they did on Tuesday, I don't have a problem with that. No, I, I, I think, don't have a problem I think with there's it. A, there's a way for that to work because Mello, in some ways, serves that same function as Ellington, except as a four yeah, instead absolutely. of a of a two. It's the, it's the exact same principles. It's just at a different position. And like, yeah. look, if if you want to make an argument that that Mello starting isn't a good, I like, I get where you're coming from. I'm not I'm not saying he's a must start. I'm just saying, as somebody who even entered this season, not quite sure the role Melo would definitively play with this team. I, I've come to recognize the idea that starting him, you know, it may not be perfectly ideal, and I doubt he'll be closing a lot of games, even if he starts. 
but I can at least see the utility for it. Yeah, stuff. and I think it's a good the point you're making there is a good one that starting does not equate to finishing necessarily with this group, especially. And starting also, if Wayne Ellington starts, I don't expect him to play 27, 28, 30 no. minutes a night. I expect him to play 19 yep. or you know, 15 to 25, depending on the matchup. But just start, start halves, and yes, so I think we'll the, see a it's lot. It's the guard of version of Javale McGee in the, during the championship season. Um, we've we've got some some hillbilly Kobe we want to try to discuss and how he fits into all of this. Uh, Andy and I, I think, maybe diverging a little bit on our on our opinions of how playable hillbilly Kobe Austin Reeves is, at least initially, if the lake for the Lakers if they need him, um, and that's related to some THT medical news that came out this week. But next, Andy. Zach Lowe has his list, always a good time, of the 10 most fun teams to watch in the NBA. The Lakers are number two. Yeah. Yeehaw. Is he correct? We'll talk about that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Sweatblock. There are a few things in life just not fun to talk about, and one of them, excessive sweating. Like when you are sweating through your shirts for no reason, it's embarrassing, and I personally don't have to worry about that. So that's why I use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. They're stronger, more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You apply it at night before bed. Next morning, you wake up, you wash, you go about your day, and you don't have to worry about sweat. Once or twice a week, you can stay dry the entire time just with that. Guaranteed or your money back, so there's no more pit stains, no more picking out shirts based on what hides that just ugh, unsightly sweat more. And I'll put it to you this way. If you know a sweat solution that is doctor-created, doctor-recommended, featured on Rachel Ray's show and tested by firefighters that you could use instead of sweat block, I'm listening, but mm-hmm. since that doesn't exist, check out sweat block instead. I'm, Get it today. I'm for not t- listening anymore. Yeah, no, no, no. It was a short <laughs> Stop conversation. Uh, I, I am open-minded, but only to a point, and we reached it. Uh, get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com using the promo code Locked On or at Amazon and CVS. Uh, both of us are big fans of Zach Lowe. You are Andy, I know. I am uh, certainly our former colleague at ESPN. Uh, does great work, love the podcast, love his written work. Um, and... He has uh, released one of my favorite of his annual columns where he does sort of a fun rankings um, and of the, the 10 most fun teams to watch in the league. And I he has the Lakers at number two. And I think it is a great, great, great placement for them. Um, I want to ask you this first, though. What do you think makes a basketball team fun to watch? And I ask this because the answer for the Lakers this year, I think, is slightly different than it is for a lot of the other teams, Denver, Phoenix, Charlotte, um, that appear on this list. Well, I mean, broadly speaking, I think it's how entertained do they keep you? And Mm -hmm. that entertainment can be defined and derived in a lot of different ways. Like, for example, Zach laid out his fun factor in terms of zeitgeist, uh, the star and highlight potential, the style that they play, uh, league pass minutia, in other words, announcers, jerseys, court designs, the unintentional comedy factor, all of those different things. And then uh, something that he didn't put in there because it obviously doesn't apply to every single team. There can be, you know, 500 teams that are unintentionally or, you know, sort of stylistically entertaining, but there's also stakes. You know, stakes right. are a big reason that a team can be entertaining because entertaining is another word for engaging. And Mm -hmm. so all these different things, I think, come together to ultimately entertain you and keep you sitting in front of a television or sitting in a seat inside an arena watching these guys 
beyond just the idea that, okay, I've been rooting for this team for a long time. I want them to win. Even when you are invested that way emotionally, you still may not necessarily be all that entertained or find what you're watching all that fun. Yeah. And like what, what makes this list fun for me and, and interesting and entertaining and why I think the Lakers fit where they are at number two, maybe it's just kind of where I am in, in my life. Um, but like I compare them to Atlanta. Zach has Atlanta at seven. Like in some ways you could make an argument that the Atlanta Hawks are wee kind of fun more than maybe the Lakers, you know, Trey Young and Clint Capella, John Collins and, you know, DeAndre Hunter, if he's healthy and, you know, Bogdanovich raining down, like they, they're just scoring 197 points a game and all this other stuff that Atlanta's going to do. Like that is potentially a lot of fun. Like I, I enjoy watching the Hawks play basketball now. It's just like kind of fun, but I'm not sure there is interesting. And what I think about what makes the Lakers so cool this year, and we've talked about it and will continue to, is they are a great combination of incredibly talented, you know, say what you will about Westbrook, like watching him can be a fun experience. He's wildly, you know, and, you know, wildly, uh, you know, talented, gets up and down the floor really fast. <laughs> he's wildly um, wild. He's wildly wild, but he's incredible. You know, the passion and the intensity with which he plays jumps off the screen. LeBron is LeBron. Anthony Davis, he keeps doing what he's, you know, sh- the, the form that he's shown in the last couple preseason game that he seems to be aiming for this year. I'll watch that. Um, just as a basketball fan, seeing somebody of that size doing the types of things that he looks ready to do this year. Um, like, that's fun. Like, they're going to do cool basketball things. But like you say, stakes, interest in them, all that. They are incredibly interesting. The process that they're going to go through, Carmelo Anthony talked about it again uh, on on Wednesday at practice before the team got on the airplane to go to Sacramento. Like the ups and the downs of this team, possession to possession, and the way that fans, especially commentators, observers around the league, people who want the Lakers to lose, people who worry the Lakers might be good because they want their team to win, are going to live and die by each one of these games, wondering, okay, are they going to break through? Aren't they going to break through? Like it's going to be a little like watching October baseball, like the tension of each of these possessions because the Lakers have so much work to do is going to be kind of off the charts relative to most teams. Yeah, Mello had just an absolute money quote during practice where when he was talking about just everything that lies ahead and all the different things that they need to figure out, all the stuff that needs to happen, and he said, the unknown of it is what intrigues me. Mm-hmm. And beyond that just being a really fascinating way of looking at the season, it also explains in a lot of ways what can make this team so entertaining. And then, you know, uh, Zach, in, in summation, talking about uh, what made them number two in his mind. You know, some of it you already listed. You know, the, how the big three fit together. You know, Anthony Davis, but also too, like this is a team that if they do everything the way they're talking about it, you've got transition possibilities with LeBron, with Russ, to the degree that he plays Rajon Rondo, mm-hmm. all on the same team. The passing on this team could be off the charts great. Yep. But then you start talking about all right, they're interesting. Because you got a, not just a lot of big names, but a lot of big personality names. Mm-hmm. Like this was a great way of describing it with Zach. He said the entire roster is like a reunion of your favorite TV cast from ten years ago. Oh, hey, that's what Rajon Rondo looks like. You've got, <laughs> all- <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's like the Friends reunion. You just hope that you know nobody looks really. Well, you you want everyone to look as as good as Rachel Aniston does, right? Or, or uh, as well preserved. 
I, I'm, I, don't, I was about to say, or as bad, not as bad as some, but then I'm like, I don't want to take shots. No. You guys can decide who I'm talking about for however well, you definitely want. Definitely not Rachel Aniston. No, no. Jennifer Aniston has <laughs> taken Jennifer, her. Jennifer, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel Jennifer Aniston. Aniston. You sound like a mother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's, she, no, if I was doing mom, I would, have called her, I would have called her that Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but like, there's also two. For better and worse, you've got Dwight's antics on the court, in the locker room. Like, you know, these are things that are going to keep you watching. The Malik, uh, as Zach put it, the Malik Monk heat check. You know, there's there's all these different things happening. Also, too, what I found is really interesting about this is, you know, not all fun is created equally. Like, we, we've talked a lot about how the 2020 team, the one that won the championship, that was a lot of fun to root for because they were an incredibly likable collective. Like they, they were really pleasure. You know, we were around the team all the time before COVID shut everything down. They were an incredibly enjoyable group to cover, mm -hmm. but they weren't necessarily always that much fun to watch. Like at times no. they were very fun at times they, they were, were a slog, <laughs> but, but the personalities offset a lot of that. Conversely, the 2009 team that won a championship, and you and I covered that team. We were around them constantly. We were covering them, I believe, at the time for the LA Times. They played extremely well together. And on the court, were more often than not quite entertaining. But that experience was super intense to be around because they were so pissed off about how mm -hmm. they just got emasculated in the 2008 finals by Boston. And they carried that intensity through the entire season. Like I was as relieved as I was excited when they eventually won that title, Brian. So it's like the, yeah, I didn't want to do that again. <laughs> like the experience of covering them was really fascinating, but it was not fun. No, like that was not a fun season to be around. This team has the potential to have all of it. You know, it also mm -hmm. has the potential to end up a, you know, a tire fire. Well, like yeah. If, and that, but that's, that, that was going to be my last point about this was like part of, I think, like I said, this is a situation where you're lumping in interesting with fun. Like if you find interesting things to be fun, mm -hmm. then you're gonna like if you find process to be fun. I'm 46, just turned 46. Andy, you are, and I got you look fantastic. 76 years old. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I I can I I mean, I don't know what your routine is, but you look great. We are at a point in our lives. I just where, think about I just think about me and my buddies still around from Korea. Yes, and thank you again for your service. Um, I like we're at a point in our life like process is interesting. Talk like that kind of stuff. Like when Kobe used to like Kobe used to talk about that. LeBron talks about it. I find that kind of thing how you get from point A to B to be very entertaining and fun and whatever. That's not everybody's bag, um, but part of what makes it cool for the Lakers is like. Yeah, I mean, some of the some of the stuff is overblown, but like there are real ways. If title is your endpoint and the only sort of acceptable outcome here, where this can go very wrong, and like that's not people aren't making this up. The defensive questions are legitimate. The spacing questions are legitimate, and the fit all this stuff is real. And so that the fact that the stakes aren't it's not just obvious. And if nobody gets hurt, the Lakers reach the finals. It's not. That's my it's my suspicion that they'll be able to do it, but that's not a guarantee. Yeah, both of us have said a lot. We think they're going to be very good. We both have them for the time being, at least, coming out of the West. It's our preseason prediction. That being said, though, 
when I said before that it has the potential to be a tire fire, the only reason I say that is because I think if it doesn't go well, it's going to go badly. It's not going to be one of those things where it's like, you know what? They played fine. It just ultimately the Clippers were better. Ultimately, you know, Denver was better. I think <laughs> people are going to be very upset. It's the Clippers. I just threw out the Clippers. Yeah, right. No, I, they know. Were the first I, I don't know. Team, and I don't want to clarify to people. They were the, yeah, they were I the first team. I totally agree with mind. you on that. Like, but I do think the potential is, is there for it. Um, I, I don't see them. There is a oh, scenario in which it, where it's either sort of like that I, kind of failure I, happens. I could be wrong. I ultimately think there is a higher potential of it really just not working out. Then you know what? It worked out well enough to be a five seed. They very quietly got to the second round and went out in a very commendable six game exit. Like I don't know. I, mean, I don't see, see that, that. To, that. People will equate that scenario to tire fire. If you're thinking okay, well, that's the middle ground. Oh, perfect. Then I'm right. Your tire way. fire is, is <laughs> excellent. I love that, being right. You are that meme of the truck coming around the corner. Nice. On fire. Nice. Um, Either way, then I'm right. I, I want to do a quick word on Hillbilly Kobe, and then uh, both of us want to talk a little bit about Kyrie before we're done. So we'll do all that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Back better than ever. All eyes, as always, on the gridiron as teams are back for another NFL season. It has been so good in the NFL. College also has had its moments as well. And Bet Online, or so I'm told because I don't get to watch a lot of college, <laughs> your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface, more odds. Props and contests. Bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football. So go to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. Do not forget to use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus from football to basketball to boxing, right down to your favorite casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports. Bet online where the games start. Uh, again, thanks to everybody for making us your first listen every day. We do appreciate it. We encourage you guys, especially as the season gets close, pop on a couple of the, you know, those Western Conference locked on shows, get a feel for who the Lakers are playing, what the opponents look like, what's going on in, the, in, in those areas as well. Um, and uh, again, sign up for, and subs- I keep saying sign up. Subscribe is the is the technical term for what you do on the YouTube channel, Locked on Lakers on YouTube. Um, THT is going to be reevaluated, Taylor Horton Tucker, in four weeks. Um, I was, you know, the Silver Screen and Roll guys have their medical expert thinks that he could be back within four or five, um, as opposed to I think a lot of the original thoughts were six to eight weeks, uh, maybe a little longer than that. Given the surgery on his right thumb, we've had a little mini debate on what the Lakers need to do uh, about that roster spot with Ariza out and THT out. If you knew that it was gonna, only going to be four or five weeks, do you still think they need to go out quickly and sign a player, whether that's you know the the usual suspects, Wes Matthews, James Ennis as wings, or somebody who gets cut from an NBA roster, which they may be waiting to see who's out there? Or do you think they can get by with Hillbilly Kobe playing perhaps 10 to 15 minutes a night? Um, Because before both of us were skeptical, I am coming around on the viability of Hillbilly Kobe as a short-term solution. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I will say this. With each game, I think he looks increasingly more credible, or maybe not increasingly, incrementally more Mm -hmm. credible. I, I still think there can be a diminishing returns factor, you know, especially once he's more on a scouting report or sure. you know, teams 
are really getting it gets more harder. He'll play more. You know, be playing against guys in real rotations and right, exactly. less against like, preseason dudes and all that. And I think there's also too just the idea that with this many guys who have already been dealing with injuries and two guys who've had surgeries, I don't know if you want to start the season playing guys heavier minutes simply because you don't have an extra body on your roster. Like just mm-hmm. from a strategic uh, you know, preservation so you don't, standpoint. My point would be like that some of those extra minutes, you know, the five extra minutes for uh, Mello or Bazemore, whoever it is, like or LeBron, whatever that that that. Reeves could soak those. We should occasionally use his real name. Austin Reeves could soak those up. Um, I'm starting to think he could. I don't think, uh, I, again, I have been growing incrementally more confident with it. Um, I think it's going to depend a lot on who he plays with. Like, yes, it, it's funny because like, you know, naturally because they're both uh, unassuming looking white dudes. Um, that, you know, have G League, uh, you know, or unheralded entries into the NBA. People are already throwing out the Alex Caruso comparison, which on a lot of levels doesn't work, you know, between player type, hair struggles, whatever. Like, it, they're not the same dude. Right. Um, you know, like Alex Caruso as a G League player, like, you know, we used to see him when he would get these call-ups with the Lakers. You could tell right away, like, okay, this guy's got a lot to figure out. He can clearly defend. Like he mm-hmm. already looked like a good defender from the moment he would just have these call ups. Like there, there were certain things where he looked more seasoned, I think, than Reeves. Like Reeves looks like he's got a little more. Reeves looks like he's got a little bit a wider variety of skills that he can call upon than Caruso did. You know, at, like at, I guess at this relative stages of of right. their NBA careers with the Lakers. Caruso, I think, was better at the one thing he did very well that happened to be, you know, very important with with the the team culture than, than Reeves. Maybe Reeves, I think, is more well rounded than Caruso was then. But you know, I I actually think the more instructive model for somebody like Austin Reeves might actually be rookie Luke Walton, who who ended up you know he was a uh, he was a rookie during the uh, Kobe, Shaq, Peyton, Malone year. And he, he actually ended up getting some playing time, but if memory serves, they would go out of his way to play him with a lot of experienced guys. Mm -hmm. So you could make sure to utilize the things that he did well, which was for him in particular passing. And he understood the offense very well. He knew where he was supposed to be. You know, Luke was uh, always a defensive liability. Fair. I, I, he, at his best, he was in neutral because he was a smart player and knew where he was supposed yeah. to be. He was okay. not, he was not fleet. He, uh, okay. He was somebody that always had to be accounted for defensively. Correct. You needed to be aware of his deficiencies. I and think. and I know, think Reeves is like that. I don't think yes. he's a, he's a good positional defender. He plays hard. He does all that stuff. Um, and so, I mean, in that sense, I don't think he's a disaster. And I've started to see more people who are better, quite frankly, better at this than I am. Break it down, show where he's doing a good job and this and that. Whatever. So I don't think he's a train wreck over there. And, but I do agree with you. If he's going to play, he is the type of player like Caruso who um, is better suited to play with better players because his strengths as a sort of a high IQ player are emphasized there. He, he has more. He's a little like Larry Nance. Um, you know, guys like that who thrive around smart players because oh, yeah. that's that's a lot of their strengths is they do the right thing, they go to the right place, they make the right pass. So if you're around other people who also do those things, 
but that's going to be the case. Like he's going to play a lot with LeBron and Westbrook and AD. So I, that's part of the reason okay. I think they can use him more than I, I, I'm not talking 30 minutes a night, but I think you can give him 15 minutes at the beginning of the season for a month or so until those guys come back. And I don't think it'll necessarily hurt them that much. Okay. Let me ask you this then, because this is something I've seen floating around a lot, uh, on the Twitter sphere, you know, being, you know, to some degree talked about by other people we know that cover sure. the Lakers do it well. What? If nothing else right now with the team at kind of a depleted state and you know the there's uncertainty with availability for certain guys or maybe you might have to play certain guys limited minutes at the uh-huh. beginning of the season do you think you could start Reeves like in sort of the Ellington role that we were talking Ooh, about before um because a lot of what you would look for to cover with, with I will tell you this, Ellington I, I, yeah, is exactly the same this. stuff you look to cover with I will with say Reeves. this to some degree you're playing a little bit 4 on 5 but I, I think you you are it's the same basic it's a lot of what we talked about with Ellington and Mello quite yes. frankly is you are protecting him as much as possible that's why it's I'm asking not crazy that that's exactly why I'm asking because I'm wondering it's not plum loco Andy well <laughs> it's it, it's it's not off your gourd what's Andy doing he's selling us used cars I don't understand everything must go it's not it's, it's, it's not crazy. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder if ultimately the stuff that if if you think the stuff that could get exposed with Austin Reeves is a thing, you know, depending on how depending on how combustible you think that is, like how big of a deal you think that is, does does it become a does it become more alleviated if he's playing with better players, albeit against better players, better players right? Or is it less of a thing on the bench where yeah. I, you know, I, ultimately, I don't think I would do that, but I think you could at least think about it um like before we, I'll, yeah i'll put it this way i mean maybe the maybe the best case to play him off the bench would be beyond the fact that you know he is at this stage of his career a a low-end bench player i don't think the bench defensively is going to be very good anyway right. so. but also too you are you're in a little, to some degree you can make an argument too that and coaches like to do this that depending on what vogel and the coaching staff envision to be the rest of the rotation the least disruptive thing may be to start a guy like Reeves who was less likely to play a bigger role. And you see that a lot where a guy gets hurt and they elevate somebody instead of the backup to the starting position, they'll take the third guy and start him so Mm -hmm. that the rest of the rotation can stay intact. The difference is right now we don't even know what the rest of the rotation looks like or who's in it because everybody's hurt. Um, Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about – you want to talk about Kyrie before we go or do you want to do that uh, Kyrie? Do we have time or should we we hold it? You want to hold it? Why don't we hold yeah, it? Yeah, we can Friday? hold it. I don't okay. think it's going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you, you still think there will be some interest in those two guys in 24 hours? Possibly. Okay. I Call me a cynic. I mean – You're the uh, guy who's I, crazy enough to start Austin Reeves, so we'll see if this, this yeah. prediction of yours holds up. Look, may, maybe, I, maybe I've got some pie-in-the-sky optimism just in my nature, Brian, but I don't think – the situation with the Sixers and Ben Simmons and the Nets and Kyrie is going to be resolved in the next 24 hours. I, if anybody knows you, knows you well, would we all describe you as a pie in the sky optimist? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We will see everybody tomorrow. Then again, thanks for supporting the show five days a week um, and uh, supporting the YouTube channel. We'll see everybody tomorrow.